Okay, James, you're on sellotape duty, all right? So you, you might want to actually they might be better at the, at the back. Oh, thank you. I asked Jess how long I've got. He said, as long as I like. <laughs> Which is great. And you all brought your lunch, so there's no, there's no roast beef spoiling at home. Um, or your meat of choice. Other meats are available. Um, before I start, I better turn my phone off, and I... Um, there you go. So you can do that too if you want, so you're not distracted. I turned my phone on this morning, and I've obviously had an update. I don't really understand technology. I know that's a phone. That's about as far as it goes. And, um, and I turned my phone on this morning, and I got a little update. I've obviously updated my phone somehow overnight. And it, it said to me, it said, um, congratulations. <laughs> I thought, oh, thanks. You know. uh, your screen time this week is 32% down on last week. I thought, wow, I've used my phone. I've looked at my phone 32% less than I did last week. That's nothing to do with me. That's purely the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and, um, and, and then, when I was just beginning to feel smug, I realised none of you ever feel smug about things, but I was feeling a little bit smug, a bit more like Jesus. And it said, your average phone use, your average screen time, it says, this is the phrase, your average screen time in the last seven days is three hours, two minutes. I thought, flipping heck, I've been looking at this for 21 hours in the last week. And I've been asleep as well for times. So that's 21 hours of my waking hours. I felt a bit less smug. And I also felt the Holy Spirit go, see, you really do have time to pray. How often do you use your phone? I was just stirred. I mean, how annoying is that when the Holy Spirit uses an iPhone to convict you of stuff? In your spirit, the Lord truly moves in mysterious ways. We're gonna. It's great to be here, Jess. Thank you for that introduction to a man I don't recognise. Um, it says here, offering. Is that so that I don't forget to give my money? That's very, very useful. So, um, I want to talk about freedom this morning. There are. That's <laughs> funny. I didn't even know she did that. It's very clever. Um, we're gonna we're gonna go through a journey today. Um, and interestingly, it's a, just a, it's a journey that God started taking me on this week. And he started this journey when I was in a car showroom. So literally, I, I went to look at cars. This was not something I do very often, but I, I had some of this stuff came through and I was literally looking at cars that had those signs on them saying how much they were worth. So maybe God's even in this. Okay? I want to talk about freedom. I want to talk about a journey of freedom, how God moves us from a place of hiding to a place of real freedom. God says to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3, says, where are you? I hope you realise that God doesn't ask that question for his benefit. Uh, he's sovereign and the creator of the heavens and the earth. He knew exactly where Adam and Eve were. And if I read something like that, I think, well, God asks a question to which he already knows the answer. I can only assume that God is asking that question for my benefit to show me where I am and to show me where I'm hiding. That's why he asked Adam and Eve that question. He really is desperate for Adam and Eve just to go, here we are and we need you. I'm going to look at a story in the Bible today which is about someone being taken out of hiding into her fullness in Christ. So if you've got a Bible with you, uh, I'd like you to turn to John chapter 4. I'm going to read... Uh, 30, uh, over 30 verses, so, so hang in there. John chapter 4. Now he had to go through Samaria, that's Jesus. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. 
Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon, important detail. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Another one of those questions that God asks when he already knows the answer. Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. We're assuming he was completely on his own. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. <coughs> Excuse me. He told her, Go and call your husband. Come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know, we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I the one speaking to you, I am he. Then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Then in verse 39 it says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. I confess this is one of my favourite Jesus encounters recorded in the Gospels. As a church at Jubilee, we've been over these recent weeks looking at the whole subject of worship. And when you're unpacking corporate worship, you tend to end up somewhere in John 4, where it says the Father is looking for worshippers who worship in spirit and in truth. And if you want to hear all about that, you can go online and listen to what we've been saying But I loved that time because it brought me again to this encounter. I realized how beautifully this encounter reveals to us so much about God. 
It reveals to us the character of Christ and therefore the character of the Father. We find Jesus deliberately shaping his day to spend time with someone who is hiding. He deliberately shapes his diary for that day, not to get things done, not just to get somewhere. Yes, he's got to go to somewhere. He's got to go through Samaria. But he shapes his day very deliberately to meet with someone who is hiding. This woman is deliberately collecting water in the middle of the day. Gwen and I on Friday went for a walk on uh, just not far from here, very close. Um, so along from Beachy Head, uh, along that bit of coastline, you all know it very, very well. It was 22 degrees. It was the middle of the day. I was thinking, what am I doing walking in the middle of the day? I was cooking. Okay. This woman is collecting water in a hot country in the middle of the day, the hottest hour of the day. Why is she doing that? She's doing that because she's hiding. Because she's a woman of ill repute. Everybody in the town knows she's on her sixth man. She's a dodgy woman. She's the sort of woman who if a couple walking down the street, the wife would hold a bit firmer to her husband's hand. Maybe it's just they cross the road. If he were to smile at her, she would say, do you know that woman? She's hiding. Jesus deliberately shapes his day to meet with her. Jesus reveals God's compassion for the people on the edge. Maybe you feel on the edge. God has compassion for you. We see Jesus' unconditional love for an individual, coupled with his holiness, setting an individual free from their sin. He just loves her. We, saw the tr- we see the transforming power of God in Christ as we see an outcast becoming an evangelist. She goes from hiding to standing in a marketplace saying, come and see. Come and see this man. We see revelation, we see restoration, we see releasing. We see this journey. Jesus takes a woman from hiding in her sin. He reveals who he is and who she is. He restores her as a worshipper and he releases her as an evangelist. This is the journey God wants to take us on. This is the journey God is taking you on, taking me on. He finds us where we're hiding. He reveals who he is and who we are. He restores us into relationship and he releases us into mission. This is the gospel in one encounter. The heart of God for the people who are hiding away. If you're hiding this morning, God wants to meet with you. You know, I've been a Christian 30 years, you can still be hiding. So we start with revelation. Revelation of who Jesus is. I love this encounter because you have this woman who is pretty dodgy in her lifestyle, but she has some roots in Scripture. Yes, she's a Samaritan, but the Samaritans had their roots in the promises of God. They owned Abraham as their father. They knew the law of Moses. They understood some of the prophetic words. And many, many of the Old Testament prophets had prophesied to the north, to Samaria. So, so she's lost in her sin. She's lost in, in her life. But she knows some truth. She knows there'll be a Messiah. She has an understanding of what that Messiah might be. She has some preconceived ideas. Her expectation of the Messiah does not include him sitting there and asking her for a glass of water. That is outside of her worldview. 
The last person she expects to meet at midday at Jacob's well is the one who created Jacob in the first place. Jesus completely turns her mind on its head. He turns her theology on its head. He turns her worldview on its head. She's a woman. I can only assume that she was already at the well because if she'd approached the well and seen a man sitting there, she would not have approached. So I can only assume that she was there already. It's quite likely that Jacob's well is one of those wells, not that you kind of wound up like in an old English village, you know, with the bucket. No, it was a, a well you walked down into. I can only imagine, it's not there in the scripture, but I'm imagining it, that she's down, in the, she's gathering water. She walks up the steps with her, her bowl, her pot of water, and there he is, sitting there, this man. And suddenly she's embarrassed because the whole reason she's gone there is not to meet anybody, certainly not any men. She doesn't need another man in her life. And there he is. To make things worse, he speaks to her. So now she's on a bound. She shouldn't be talking to him, but she has to talk to him because he's spoken to her. She's under the authority of men. That's how she understands it. He asks her to do something, to get some water. And she's like, well, I can't really say I haven't got any. It's here. She's stuck. She's exposed. She probably feels a little, you know, naked, as it were. And then he begins to talk to her. She begins to relax. She sits down. She starts to have conversation with a man who doesn't really seem to want anything from her, just to talk. So she gets a bit braver. It's the challenge. Oh, yeah, well, you say this, but we say that. She's having a conversation with a man where nothing is expected of her. Wow. This is a new experience for her. It all seems to be going well. And he asks her the question, well, why don't you pop home and get your husband? <laughs> what does she do? Now, remarkably, she tells the truth. Do you notice that? Because, of course, what could she have done? She could have gone, okay, I will. She's out. She's escaped. No longer embarrassed talking to this man. She can just take her water and she can go back to the town and sneak in because no one else is up because it's the heat of the day and she can sneak into her house and pretend it never happened. But she doesn't do that. For some reason, she tells the truth. She must have thought, what am I doing? I don't know if you've ever said anything and you can't try and catch the words. I do that all the time. I generally only open my mouth to change feet. So you're trying to catch these words. She's telling him the truth. And he says, yeah, you're right. What should he have done? He's a man, she's a woman. He's clearly a teacher, she's clearly in sin. He's exposed her adultery. What does the law say? Well, he can bend down a stone and throw at her. He can stone her. She's a woman who has confessed her adultery to a man of authority. He can stone her. That's what the law says. You catch a woman in adultery. He doesn't do that. And then what does he do? 
Then he says to her, I'm the Messiah. See, we, re- we read this passage. If you've been a Christian a while, you've probably read these passages loads of times. Oh, it's Bible in a year, John 4. Go down to the Old Testament. This is incredible. A woman who should have been stoned discovers that the very person who is allowed to judge her, what does Jesus do when he finds a woman in adultery? He says, let him who's without sin cast the first stone. The only person who's allowed to stone a woman at that point is Jesus. But he just loves her. He says, this is the Messiah. The Messiah didn't just come to sort out some geography of which mountain you should worship on. No, the Messiah came to show you that God loves you. God delights in you. You have a heavenly Father who is seeking you to be a worshipper. Not just you, but he's seeking you to be a worshipper. And it doesn't matter where you do it. It's not about this mountain or that mountain. It's about your heart. It's about your spirit. It's about truth. Christ reveals to this woman who God really is and shows her that it doesn't matter that she's a Samaritan or a woman or an adulteress. She can still come and worship. Isn't that amazing? Because he's not just revealing who he is, he's revealing to her who God is. Sorry, he reveals who God is, not who she is. It's like a two-way mirror. It's like Jesus holds up a mirror in front of her through which she sees Christ and sees who God really is, but also reflected back to her is who she really is. She's a daughter. She's a child. She's precious. She's still in the promise. Even though she was born in the wrong place, to the wrong family and worships in the wrong place and has messed up her life and is married to the wrong man, she is still a child of the promise of God. Amazing. In a moment, she discovers who God really is and who she really is. And in that process, Jesus also reveals her sin. But doesn't judge her. Because God doesn't reveal sin. Jesus doesn't reveal her sin to make her feel bad. Jesus reveals her sin to set her free to be who she's called to be. I don't know about you, but when I reveal sin, I tend to do it to make me feel better. You know, someone, and, you know, I notice someone's got a little character flaw. Ma- maybe Jez, obviously he has no character flaws, but, you know, and I, I might just, Jez, I just need to speak into your life on this. If I'm honest, why am I doing that? Well, it just kind of makes me feel a little bit superior. You know, I might have my faults, but have you seen Jez's faults? Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus doesn't reveal her sin to make him feel better about himself. Because he's not in the judgment business. He's in the forgiveness business. He tells her, I didn't come to judge the world. 
and to serve and save and seek the world. So Jesus isn't making her feel bad so that he feels better, which is often what we do as Christians, isn't it? We'll, we'll point the finger at the world. I mean, the world's a mess, okay? West Ham are losing football games. The world's a mess. Okay? It's so easy as a Christian just to point the finger at the world. Look at the, look at the, look at the world. Look at the sin in the world. Jesus doesn't do that. He takes this woman and says, look, this is who God is. This is his, who you are meant to be. This is who you essentially are. What's in the way of that? Well, it's this stuff called sin. Let's get rid of it. So what does she do? She doesn't go away feeling judged. Do you notice that? Just feels released. Just feels released. She feels restored. She was hiding. Jesus reveals to her who God really is who she is meant to be, and then this stuff that's in the way, her sin. So that she can then be restored to who she truly is. She asks questions about religion. Do you notice that? How does she view God? Well, it's about, yes, yeah, so God is here, and God is worthy of worship because he's holy and awesome, and he did this stuff, and he uh, parted the Red Sea and gave the law. So God's up here. And yes, God's worthy of my worship and I need to worship him in the right way, in the right place, with the right words, with the right activities, with the right lifestyle. That's religion. Trying to do things right to please God. That's religion. That's where she's stuck. She's stuck in religion. This is not about religion, it's about relationship. You were created not to hide. You were created to have a relationship with God, to walk with God in the cool of the evening, to know his pleasure, to know that freedom, to be naked and know no shame, to not have to try and impress other people because you're a child of God. You've been set free in God. It really doesn't matter what people think. Because you're my daughter, and with you I am well pleased. It brings restoration. It says to her, you, you're meant to be a worshipper. Not someone who goes to church. Not someone who goes to temple. Not someone who goes to the right place, or lives the right lifestyle. No, you're called to be a worshipper. You're called to be in relationship. You're called to wake up in the morning and open the curtains and walk through your double doors into the freedom of creation. Because you're a worshipper. In spirit and in truth. It should connect here and here and here and here and here and here. You should know it and you should feel it and you should feel it and you should know it. It should be your security. It should be your identity. It shouldn't matter what you do or what you earn or what car you drive or how gifted you are in this or that because you are so loved here that you wake up in the morning and go, thank you, Jesus. That's worship. That's worship. Created for worship. The highest calling to worship God, to know God. To be in relationship with God. He is restoring her. He's stripping away all the religion, all the right place, right time, right words, nonsense. There's some way if I learn it, 
I can please God who's up here. Jesus said, no, I'm here. I'm sitting here with you now, drinking a glass of water in the heat of the day. Maybe by now they've kind of found a bit of shade. Maybe just, let's go and sit in the shade. He's restoring her. He finds her hiding. He reveals who he is. He reveals who she is. He then restores her to her identity in God. What happens? Well, he then releases her to be a witness. Do you notice at no point in this little passage to just go, right, the response to this is, you're supposed to be an evangelist. And I've got an alpha course starting in your town in three days' time. Can you go and find five people and tell them and invite them to the Alpha Lord? Jesus doesn't do that. I don't know what he's doing. Maybe he's not heard of Nicky Gumbel. <laughs> she cannot help herself. That's what true freedom does. It's like the first day of the summer holidays. I, I'm old. But I can still remember being seven, eight, nine years old, the first day of the summer holidays, when six weeks was like forever. And when I was six, seven, eight, nine years old, the sun always shone through the, through the summer. Okay? I can remember that emotion. I can remember that feeling, waking up on that first Monday of the summer holidays, waking up, thinking, it's the summer holidays. My mother never had to ask me to get out of bed in the summer holidays. My mother never had to ask me to get dressed in the summer holidays. I'm just, I'm gone. Football, bike, whatever, just, because that's what freedom was. Summer holidays when you're eight years old. When I was eight years old, I lived in a village. You could just, you know, disappear for the day. No one worried about it. I didn't walk up to him and go, excuse me, stranger, are you DPS checked? Sorry, mother, have you done a full risk assessment of my day? Just went. Yeah. It's freedom. No one had to say to me, we're doing a course about enjoying yourself on your summer holidays. Okay. Maybe you can invite your friends. Yeah. Three stages. What is a summer holiday? Who is a summer holiday? Why does a summer holiday have to happen? Yeah. Didn't have to do it. It's freedom. Here we go, some holidays. Call for my mates. They're not in, I'll call for some other mates. That's freedom. Yeah. And imagine she, she gets up, starts to wander off. She just goes, well, you've left here. Where are you going? I'm going back to the tower. Why do you know? I need to tell them. We've left your bucket. I don't need my bucket. I don't need it. I am coming back and be I've got living water. You just told me, Jesus. Why do you need me to carry a bucket? And tells the town. You know, that couple are walking through town, she's walking towards them, the wife's holding hold on to her, her husband's hand, just walks up, you two need to come and meet this guy. This guy just told me everything, on that, everything about me. Maybe he's the Messiah. Come on, come on, you need to come. You need to come and meet the Messiah. Says the whole town came out. I don't think she went, you need to come, and they went, oh, I don't want to go. And they went, oh no, it doesn't work. Oh, it doesn't work. Evangelism doesn't work. The publicity wasn't good enough. Let's go to the next people. Then the next people, the next people, until she starts people coming. Because she's been set free. She is released. In a day. She's going to be hiding in her sin. 
discovering who God is, who she is, restored to who she truly is, a daughter of God. And then she's like, come on, come and see. Why don't we do it? Because we're stuck. See, the problem is, and this is what happens. Come with me. I need to sit on that chair. Yeah. See, what happens is you've got Jez. He's dead in his sin. He's hiding. God grabs hold of him. Huh? He says, come with me. And he tells him, sit down. You're very good. Have you trained? <laughs> he tells him, this is who you are. And this is who you are. This is who I am. This is who I am. Jez, I'm your dad and I love you. And I'm for you and I knit you together in your mother's womb. No one has loved you like I love you and no one will love you like I love you because I died for you. The trouble is, Jez then gets to Monday and he forgets. He goes and sits back here. And he comes back the next Sunday and he hears another great sermon from his friend Simon. And he gets to hear, great! Yeah? Then Monday comes round and he ends up coming back. Does that happen to you? That's why you don't get there. Because you get stuck. God says, no, come on, come on. You're not meant to stay there, actually. You're meant to get here. You're a worshipper. That's why it matters that you worship. It's why it matters that you gather. It's why it matters that you sing truth together and sing truth over one another because it reinforces that you've been set free and who you are in Christ. The trouble is some of us get stuck here just lost in wonder, love and praise. Yeah? Oh, don't ask me to do Alpha. I'm, I'm too busy just resting in the presence. I'm just going to another conference on worship. <coughs> We get stuck. If we get stuck here, we then drift this way. And then we drift this way. And we never get there. We never get really free. Of course, there are others of us who try and go straight to this chair here. But actually, we're still there. Still hiding. In reality, we just heard a really good sermon on evangelism, so we think we'd better go and tell our friends about Jesus. Actually, in reality, we're still hiding. So they ask us a hard question, we go, I don't know. Why does God allow suffering? Well, I don't know, I'm suffering a bit, and I've never really dealt with that, so I don't know. We need to be reminded, friends, we are set free. That has been dealt with. You are children of God. Jez, you did great. You can come back down. Yeah, very impressive. Yeah, for jumping off a stage. <laughs> They're easily pleased. <laughs> God has set you free. When you gather like this, God's intention is to remind you you have been set free. Huh? Who the Son sets free will be free indeed. What a great song that is. What great songs we sang, good choices. Been set free. Don't have to hide. 
God doesn't reveal our sin for his benefit. God reveals our sin for our benefit. That we can see it for what it is. She sees it for what it is. This is a nothing. This is a nonsense. I'm a child of God. Why do I want to behave like that? I'm secure in Christ. Why do I need to make myself secure with men? I've got a calling to be an agent of the kingdom. Why waste time here? Why waste time on the internet? Why waste time investing in stuff that doesn't last? Why invest time in gossip? Why invest time in unforgiveness and cynicism and bitterness? Why waste time in chasing what the world is telling me I should chase? Why waste time in another car or another holiday? Why waste time in that? Now, cars are good and holidays are good, don't mishear me, but sometimes we get trapped. It's what we live for. God doesn't reveal that because he wants to make us feel bad. He reveals that so we see what it is. It's nothing compared to I'm a child of God. And I've got friends and neighbours and colleagues who don't yet know they're children of God and God wants me to tell them. God releases us. Reveals who he is, reveals who we are, restores us as worshippers and releases us to be agents of the kingdom. That's what he's doing. That's why he wants to meet with us day after day after day. So, Of course the reality, as we've seen, is that this isn't a journey that happens once. This is a journey that happens to me every day. I wake up and all those fears and can still be there and I can be hiding. That's why I need to open my word of God. That's why I need to put Spotify in my ears and listen to worship music. That's why I need to sing worship music out loud with my ears in and wake my wife. Because I need to be reminded I was hiding but I've been set free. Actually, some of those lies I picked up yesterday, they are lies. This is who God is. This is who I am. I am called to be a worshipper. I am called to express the love of God to everybody I meet today. I have to do this every day. That's why it matters that you gather. Because you need to be with other people who are doing it. We encounter God together. In the midst of us, God manifests his presence. Why? To set us free. To remind us who we are. To restore us to who we are. To release us to tell the world who God is and who they are in God. It's all about freedom. Who the sun set free will be free indeed. Amen? Amen. Do you want to pray? Yeah. Yeah. Go on. Can I? Okay. Why don't we stand?